0: We are the humble. We serve a humble king, and we are the brokenhearted. Tonight I have the privilege of teaching you um, compassionate and care compassionate the wise and compassionate caregiver. So let's just let's pray. Father God, I just thank you, my Lord, Father. That in serving you, Father God, the humble king, Father God, we are the brokenhearted. Father, but you continue and always give us the strength that we need. Father, so I pray tonight, Lord, that you would give the ladies ears to hear and a heart to receive what the Spirit has for them tonight. Father, because being that wise and compassionate caregiver is hard. It's breaking of hearts. It's strength. It's weakness. And it's humility. Father, so I pray tonight that I would come across showing them, Father God, through you. Lord, we can do all things, Father God, with your love and your goodness, Father. In Jesus' name, I pray. Okay, I like to give statistics through some of my studies. (laughs) So approximately 34.2 million Americans have provided unpaired care to an adult ages 50 and older in the past 12 months. 60% of the caregivers are female, 82% 8two percent are caregivers taking care of one person, and 85 percent provide care for a relative, most often a parent or a parent-in-law, according to the AARP and the National Alliance of Caregivers. This t- statistics reveal that at some point in our lives, like Lily said, we will face this decision, whether it's for us, or whether it will be done to us. In making this decision will depend greatly on the individual's family circumstances, financial concerns, family dynamics, logistics, availability, and the ability to provide for that loved one. One of the biggest concerns through this is would be whether or not you can take care of them. How would it impact your lives? how would it impact your household how would it impact your career as we reflect on these decisions to care for a loved one or not there are a few th- there are a few thoughts you should consider as we can contemplate on what to do many who you come who you go to will probably tell you don't do it many will say it'll interfere with your lives and you'll hear this that it'll t- uh, tie down. That you would be tied down um, taking care of someone. It takes a lot of your time. While much of this that you hear will be true, is it biblical? Is it something God would do? Is it something God would say? Is it something that Jesus did? When we seek counsel, we often have to make a decision, and make sure that we're that you seek a mature believer. Make sure that you are prayed up. In this decision and make sure the people that you are asking for prayer are also in the Word of God so tonight ladies again it's the wise and compassionate caregiver what does it mean to be a caregiver a caregiver is someone who gives a lot of their time to provide physical emotional and spiritual care to anyone who is dealing with any kind of health challenges. It could be someone who cares for an elderly parent, a family member, a family member or someone who has been injured and needs assistance. A caregiver is a parent who raises children, a wife who raises her I mean who takes care of her husband, or it could be a husband caring for their wives grandparents who take care of grandchildren, and friends who care for friends. Caregiving is, caregiving is the means of serving God and sharing his love. It is much more than a duty. It, is me, it means to serve God with full joy and blessings. A caregiver, a caregiver is someone who gives them themselves through love and grace. 1 Peter 4.10 tells us each of us should use whatever gifts we have received as faithful servants of God's grace in this form. What Peter is saying is that we should always use whatever gift God has for us. As faithful servants, God's grace is in praying for one another, opening your home to one another, providing a meal for someone— giving someone a ride to church or a ride to a doctor's appointment. John 15, 12, 13, This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. There is no greater love than one to lay down his life for a friend. Our Jesus loves extravagantly. While we're unable to lay down our lives on a daily basis for others, We can choose to lay lay down our lives with love and extravagant, small, particular ways. He wants us to love one another even as he has loved us. As Jesus gave up his life for us, he wants us to do the same for others. True love is not cheap nor shallow. It's costly. When we love others the way Christ loved us, we will need a sacrifice, something or some of our time. What are some of the qualities of a wise and compassionate caregiver? I need to pray. Father God, I just come before you and I ask, Father God, that you would just put a calmness upon my heart, Lord. Father, you've taken me through many, Father God, and I just pray, Lord, that I would just allow the ladies to see, Father, how you have gotten me through them all, Father. Put a calmness upon me, Lord, I ask in Jesus' name. What are some of the qualities of a wise and compassionate caregiver? The wise and compassionate caregiver is someone who is patient, kind, empathetic, empathy, is able to anticipate the needs of one person that they are caring for, They are able to connect with that person they are caring for on a deeper level, showing them love, grace, and understanding. They are able to see the person as a whole, not just their physical condition, but also to seek their needs of their emotional and spiritual needs. A lot of times ladies were the only ones that they see as children of God. They're the only ones that are going to either hear the gospel from us They're the only ones that are going to see us as Sharing God's Word and his love toward that individual that spiritual need sometimes Is non-existent to a lot of people who are hurting? Because it's always why God why am I in this place? You definitely need patience most people who Need assistance may be hindered by their injury and can no longer do for themselves. It could be an elderly parent or a friend who has been diagnosed with dementia, cancer, or or perhaps underwent surgery, um, or they're injured, or have been injured and no longer can do for themselves, like dress themselves, comb their hair, brush their teeth. They may need assistance in walking or talking. Or they can no longer do the task that you were asked them to do. It's easy to get frustrated. But if you feel yourself becoming frustrated or impatient, we need to take a step back. <clears throat> Proverbs thirty-one twenty-six: She opens her mouth with, with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. Jesus is saying, or the Proverbs is saying, we're not to be harsh. We're not to be negative. We're not to be sarcastic. We are to be gracious in our words and in our deeds. James 3.17 tells us, But the wisdom that is formed from above is pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. When caring for someone who is already feeling miserable, we really need to speak with gentleness and kindness. They already feel helpless, and it's so easy for them to get angry or have hurt feelings. As it is, they don't want to have to depend on you to begin with. So we need to be mindful and show them the love and patience and compassion that they deserve. What is compassion? The true definition of compassion involves a tangible expression of love for those who are suffering. Compassion is not just an awareness of another person's suffering. It moves beyond a simple desire to reduce the suffering, not just You're okay. You're going to be okay. Don't worry. A compassionate person recognizes the suffering of others, and it takes action to help. When I was diagnosed with MS, they had done some procedures on me that um, put me in the hospital, and I wasn't able to move. And one night, I just wanted a drink of water and help going to the ladies' room, to the restroom. And I did the night nurse. I called the night nurse and she comes in. Yeah. And I'm like, I need water. Okay. There it is. I couldn't move. I needed help. I was paralyzed from my neck down. I couldn't move. I need to go to the bathroom. Oh, get you a potty chair. I was like, was she burned out? Was she not happy? Where was the compassion? Matthew 25, 31, 40 tells us, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his throne. Before him, he will gather all the nations and he will separate people from one another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goat. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you for the foundations of the world. For when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothing, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothed you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? The king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to the, one of these brothers and sisters of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. So that simple drink of water, or that help that I needed to do to go to the restroom, or I guess was something she wasn't feeling. God wants our lives to overflow with compassion, from the smallest of someone's needs to the showing of mercy and love. These are marks of compassion toward us as his followers. We have the choice. We could respond to unsettling realities and fear and not help others in need, or we can follow Jesus in response to the greatest needs of others with love and hope. We know salvation doesn't depend on works, but we do not but we do know that caring for those in need is evidence of faith that lives are changed. Jesus declared <clears throat> Jesus is declaring the import, the importance of caring for those who are most vulnerable the most marginalized, and the most forgotten, those without a voice. Proverbs 31:20 tells us she opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. The Proverbs 31 woman teaches us that a woman's fulfillment in life can be seen when she is reaching out to those who are in need. Show, it shows in her heart what she truly cares about and how she spends her time. The Bible tells us that Jesus was moved with compassion, and he has called us to the care for the least of these. The world may see these as medial tasks, things that are not important, a drink of water, a cl- uh, clothing, Whatever it may be, the world does not see it as value. But the eyes of the Lord Jesus, they are of all great value to him and to the one who receives this act of compassion as well. I would like, but but we know actions speak louder than words. Jesus didn't merely teach the level of compassion. As an in, Intellectual exercise. He lived it. He embodied it as a significant part of his public ministry. Ephesians four thirty-two tells us, "Be kind and compassionate to one another, giving each other just as forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you." Colossians three twelve tells us, "Since God chose you to be the holy people He loves." You must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. The reason why I'm I'm saying these things is because if I would have known a lot of this stuff before I had to take care of my mother-in-law... Who, has, who was diagnosed with dementia, I think I would have been better prepared. <clears throat> okay, I'll get to that after. But I know I'm going through Scripture, and, you know, Scripture's all we have, you know, to get us through the times that we're struggling. You know, getting us through the times where having to take care of someone or having to, having someone take care of you, it's humility. You know, I didn't, when I was in the hospital, I didn't want, I really didn't want anybody caring for me, but I needed it. When I had open heart surgery, I didn't want anybody caring for me either, but my little sister came and she was bathing me. You know, and we're vulnerable. You know, but these are the things that God has shown us to do, to love and to take care of those in our family that are in need. You know, no matter the cost, it's something that is needed. So who determines whether or not you're a caregiver? You know, I struggled with the—we all struggle with asking God these questions— Like, why this God? Why that? When my daughter Lauren was um, a baby, the the doctors had diagnosed her with cerebral palsy. And, you know, we didn't know what it meant. You know, here I'm taking care of my daughter, and mind you, I wasn't in the Lord. I wasn't walking in the Lord. And it was such a long five-year journey. We had to teach her how to sit we had a teacher how to crawl we had a teacher how to eat we had a teacher how to swallow we had a teacher how to drink her bottle we had a teacher from crawling to walking and the doctors at the time said she wouldn't do anymore but we serve a gracious God And those whys that we all all ask are, when we come to the Lord, are answered. They are truly answered. I found my answer when I came to the Lord for my daughter. And it was five years, you know, that I learned something. It was five years that the doctors had said that she wouldn't be much. She was a cheerleader. You know, she played an instrument, she's married, she has three kids. You know, so the Lord really showed us that why. Hebrews, like I said in Colossians 3.12, God chooses you to be that caregiver. He will equip you. Hebrews 13.21 tells us, he equips you with all that you need for doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ everything that is good to please him. Jeremiah 1.5 tells us, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. God reveals that when he creates a person, it is from a plan he has already developed before he even began forming us. In the womb, he not only knows what he's going to make you, he actually knows the person as though we have already been made. Psalms 139.16 tells tells us, Your eyes saw my substance, being yet unformed, And in your books, they were all written. The days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none. This means that God had already, in eternity, had already planned you. He already made you. God fearfully and wonderfully made you. He knew what you would be like. So God is the one who paved your way to those who are caregiving. However, we do have free will. God calls us, and he waits for our response. I think we forget that God alone is all-knowing. Nothing has ever escaped his notice, and nothing ever will. He alone sees it coming down to the smallest detail, as if he has heard it many times over. Nothing catches God by surprise unlike God, we cannot see what lies ahead of us. As our lives unfold, we will encounter one surprise after another. Some surprises are great and awesome, like getting a new house or going on a well-deserved vacation, and other surprises will be extremely painful and devastating, like the results of a test with a painful diagnosis or that phone call you'll you'll receive with heartbreaking news. All these challenges will be heartbreaking, not only for the person who receives the news, but also for the loved one who is unwittingly or unintentionally thrust into the role of a caregiver. In my case, I got a double whammy. My husband and I received news that both my mom and my mother-in-law were diagnosed with dementia. Which is always an unwelcoming diagnosis. For my mom, it's hard. The kind of um, dementia she has, she's very violent, um, very volatile. The language that she uses is, I'm unable to repeat it. And um, so it's hard. So I, what I have to do is I have to be prayed up. And every time I would pray, I would, the Lord would just put in my mind, blessed are the poor in spirit. And I'm like, Lord, blessed are the Lord in spirit. So I checked it out, like, okay, well, what is he telling me? You know, am I poor in spirit? What is it? So I looked it up, and Billy Graham puts it this way. We must be humble in our spirit. So if you put the word humble in the place of poor, you will understand what it means. Blessed are the humble in spirit. In other words, when we come to God, we must realize our own sin, our own spiritual emptiness, our poverty in the scriptures. We must not be self Satisfied or proud in our hearts, or thinking that we can do this without God. And it's so true, ladies. You know, sometimes I would pray when I would go see my mom, I would pray, I would call my uh, praying buddies. And, you know, they would pray for me, and I can feel their prayers. And then there are times where I'm just like a quick prayer and I'm off to see my mom. It's a bad day. Let me tell you, it's a bad day. So ladies, don't think that when you're caring for a loved one, that you can go through that day without prayer. It's not going to happen. I can tell you by experience. You can put that quick prayer out there. God wants you empty, empty, confessed, surrendered. He wants all of you. Because without it, you have reserves in your heart, and he wants it all. He wants it totally empty. With my mom, there were many mistakes being made as, I, as we took care of her. You know, we thought that maybe, um, d- you know, doing this or that, like changing her and like I said, she was very violent, so she would either pull our hair or, you know, like I came out of a, a fight or something. You know, our hair would be all like this, and we would be scratched up. And, and we'd, I would tell my sisters, what are we doing? What is it that we're doing wrong? You know, why? And we'd be yelling at her. Don't do this, Mom. Mom, you're hurting me. This. And it wasn't benefiting anybody. But then I remembered Colossians 3.12. You must clothe yourself with tender heart. Show mercy, show kindness, show humility, gentleness, and patience. I learned with my mom that it was better for me to talk softly to her, gently to her, caress her. And she reacted, you know, she... Understood it. I don't know if she was scared, you know, when I would have, when we would change her or bathe her. I don't know what it was, but when we would go in there caressing her and loving her and, and, um, telling her, you know, nobody's going to hurt you, mom, she, it, you could just see the softness come about her. She may not know because, um, she doesn't know a lot, of, a lot of things. She can't do a lot of things. Dementia, Alzheimer's, it's a terrible disease. <clears throat> Could it be sometimes... I'm sorry. Each day was always a different approach for my mom, like I said. And I don't understand many times when I was prayed up and I gave my all to the Lord, sometimes that day wasn't a good day. And it's not because maybe I prayed wrong. It's not that. God is loving. God is gracious. You know, God knows our heart. But maybe it could be for my sisters and my dad, you know they're not saved you know they don't know the lord or they know of god but they don't have a personal relationship with him so maybe when my mom is having that bad day and um i want to lose it sometimes you know he puts a calm and a, a gentle spirit upon me and it's maybe for them Maybe for them to see, how is my God working in me? How is my Jesus allowing me to handle this bad day with my mom? Like Pastor Joe said one time, wherever God has you doing during the t- this time in your life, it's only for a season, ladies. A lot of times it can be so tough and tiring. You want to throw the towel in. You really do. It's hard but it's only for a season and for me the season being with my mom though she doesn't know me you know I'm making memories memories that I wouldn't have been able to make with her you know I'm being able to show her my love and I could just see in her face sometimes she can see it and sometimes she can't but it's okay I'm there with my mom. You'll be there with your loved one, whoever you're taking care of. Make those memories. We don't know how long they have, but make the memories. They will last a lifetime in your heart. Am I okay? Okay. (laughs) 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor is not in vain. Nothing you do for God is in vain. So when you become a caregiver or the person that is caregiving, Do you actually know what a caregiver goes through? Do you actually know um, what they need? As a caregiver for my mom, we have to help with her medical bills. We have to um, check out home care centers. You have to do housekeeping, food preparation, and most importantly, we have to assure her her safety. And we're and that we're not going to allow anything to happen to her. Caregivers are constantly giving of themselves and sending and spending much of their time focusing on the needs of their loved one. So who takes care of the caregiver? Is it possible to be a joyful, peaceful, and loving caregiver? Many caregivers struggle with this role of caring and find it difficult to feel love, to feel joy, at times in their daily work. While caring joyfully and loving and compassion for it to be our goal, it's important to know the harsh reality of caregiving and their experience. They, f- they have wide range of emotions, from mixed feelings and resentment to anxiety, grief, loneliness, fear, and even joy all within the same day. A caregiver's conditions themselves, and I felt this myself, that if we complain, we're not doing a good job, or we're not doing it right, that we must always have a smile on our face, because if we don't have a smile, we must not like what we're doing. So if they feel like they're complaining or feel that they're frustrated or exhausted or sad or lonely, they feel or people will say that they're inadequate to do the job for their loved ones, which is not the case at all. And yet all these emotions are real and they're normal to have these emotions Because of this, their emotional, their emotional and spiritual needs are often neglected, because they're so concerned about their loved one and the one they're caring for, they often forget about themselves, and they burnout can set in. So, it's possible. To, is it possible to be a dedicated caregiver while being able to live healthy, thriving, and have a strong spiritual life? Yes, it is. We must set boundaries, practice self-care, and seek rest and renewal from the Lord. When serving and caring others, there will be spiritual attacks. You will always be hit by the enemy, no matter what. He wants to feel that you're isolated and that you're alone. He will try to convince you that caring for your own needs is selfish. But that's a lie. On the contrary, caring for one's needs is essential for our own well-being and for the people we love and serve. We can't get enough, we can't give from an empty cup nor from a half cup, for that matter. Our cup must runneth over. We must have more than enough for our needs in order to give of ourselves. Jesus said, "Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest." Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God wants to hear from you. He wants you to come to him. He wants you to tell, you, tell him all about your feelings. He wants to hear about your mixed feelings. How about the time you, about the time you may feel blessed and honored in sharing this intimate experience with your loved one and then how and how we can cherish those times but yet feel that it's a never-ending ordeal or how about your anger why do we feel afraid to be angry is it because we feel shameful should we have better self-control or does it or does feeling angry make you feel selfish the truth, is, the truth is, we are angry because we love deeply, because we have lost something so precious. The person we are caring for is no longer the person we know, who, has, who was filled with life, who was able to talk with you each and every day, who was able to walk with you. For my mom, I miss our morning talks. We used to have coffee every morning, and I would call her seven o'clock a.m. every day. We would share our time, our days, what's happening at you know in her life, and I would just have talked to her the day before. But I miss that. I can't go to her and ask her, "Mom, remember that recipe about with rice?" Because I love rice. I can't ask her that anymore. How about guilt? Could it be guilt? Guilt comes from a dark place in our head that no matter what we are doing, it's never enough. And it accuses us of doing wrong in the decisions that we have to make for our families, in our culture, and in our faith. And then we serve to be our worst critics. The reality is that we often face to make these difficult decisions leaves room for much doubt, eternal conflict, and a lot of regret. Then there's grief and loss. We often associate grief and loss with someone, with losing someone. But how can we mourn the person we are still caring for? We could feel the loss of control over our own lives, the loss of our independence, Or we can grieve the loss of our plans that we had for that season. Could it be the grief and the loss of the person that you're caring for? Are they no longer with you? Are the days short? The Lord wants it all, ladies. He wants it all. We serve a big God. He wants us to surrender it all to him, casting all our anxieties on him, because he cares for us. We must, set, we must set boundaries, making time to commune with the Lord, time to be in his word, time to be in his presence. Like Joan said, seek his promises. Take a break, recharge, refresh, plan a lunch or a dinner date with a friend or a, your husband or a family member. And if you're a friend of someone who is caregiving, Send them a text, give a little phone call. It would brighten their day, encourage them that what they're doing is God's service. Sometimes as caregivers, we need to get away. Jesus had moments of getting away. Matthew one thirty-five. very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Jesus knew he had to be alone and away from all the people and all the distractions. Matthew 14, 13 says, Even when Jesus heard about his beloved friend John the Baptist, he got away. Jesus himself had to get away and pray. He needed to be refreshed, he needed to gather his thoughts. So why do we feel guilty when we know we need to get away, to be encouraged, to be strengthened, to be renewed? Isaiah 40, 31 tells us, But those who hope in the Lord will, will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. We must rest in the Lord, allowing him to chart to take charge, believing that he is sufficient and powerful. Those who trust in him must be strong in the faith to contend with their enemy and their trials, to triumph and to take victory. I know you're probably saying, well, it's easier said than done. And you're absolutely right. It is easier said than done. But I can tell you, when I took care of my mother-in-law, not my mom, my mother-in-law, it was difficult, too, but we were up for the challenge at the beginning. We embraced the role of caregiving with my mother-in-law. But, when she, but we weren't aware of the impact it would have on us, the impact on our lives, and like I said, impact on uh, whether you can go out or do anything. We weren't aware of any of it. And twice a week, I would have to still go and take care of my mom, And as the days got longer and more stressful, the years got worse, she couldn't do anything no longer for herself. And the stress and the over the stress of the family was hard and she continued to get worse. You feel powerless. And unable to fix the problem but through much prayer like I said God knows everything through much prayer we made a decision to put her in a home and at the beginning we didn't think oh no way I'm not gonna put my mom in a home and I think I even said that to a lot of you oh no way but God knows when it's time he knows when it's time that you when you need to put your loved one in a home not everybody it's not for everybody but for the majority, if the Lord has guided you in that direction, it's okay. It's okay. They know you love them. It's okay. And for me, I was able to, sh- I was able to give back what she gave me. And that I am grateful for. Proverbs tells us, never let loyalty or kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. So whatever you're doing in caring for a loved one, a husband, a child, a friend, keep the kindness. Don't let it leave you. Don't let it make you bitter. Keep the kindness and the love. As Proverbs three five six 6 tells us, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. And I believe that's what the Lord did with my mother-in-law. He opened the doors to this home and it was a great place. God will guide you. In closing, being a caregiver is challenging, but it's also a wonderful privilege. It's emotional and burdensome, but it's also rewarding and gracious. It's time, but it's time well spent, making memories with your loved ones and for those you are caring for. It's God who brings the good out of the loneliness and the suffering that you're feeling. It does not have to be burdensome. It can be an outpouring of joy and love that will edify both you and the one you're caring for. But there is no greater example than Jesus himself. His ministry saw the healing. He healed the sick. He saw the needy. He healed the the blind, the terminally ill, and the healing of those who grieved. He will heal your grieving. He spoke not with the powerful, but with the weak and the brokenhearted. And I know many days I was brokenhearted, and he spoke to me. I felt compassion, and he feels compassion. When he could have expressed condemnation, like many people will say, why are you stressed out? Do you not like taking care of your mom? Do you not like taking care of your mother-in-law? But he showed me mercy, and he'll show you mercy. He demonstrated to his disciples, as as he does to us through his word, the importance of having a servant's heart. While we can never measure up to his example perfectly, we should always remember that caregiving isn't just doing a good job. They are doing God's work, exemplified in Christ. The world will see these humble tasks as trivial and go unnoticed. But the eyes of the Lord Jesus Christ are saying they're all of great value to Him. And it's not by power nor by might, but by the Spirit, says the Lord Almighty. We can't do it all on our own, ladies. We must be filled by the power of the Holy Spirit to be compassionate, to receive the wisdom of the Lord, and to be strengthened by him. So in the midst of it all, my dear sisters, let not your heart be troubled, but, and let it not grow weary in doing good. For in due season, remember, everything is for a moment, and we will weep blessings if we do not give up. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I come before you, my God. And Father, I know it's dear to my heart, my Lord. But I pray, Lord, that whoever's out there, man, woman, daughter, son, who is caring for a loved one, Father, may they hold tight to you, Father God. Father, because with you, all things are possible. Without you, Father God, we can do nothing. So I pray, Lord, that you would touch the ladies' hearts, Lord, and that they would go out, Father, knowing that they can be victorious and they can make memories, Lord, and they can share with their loved ones their love for one another, through the power, Lord, of the Holy Spirit. So bless them, and I thank you, Lord. Father, may you keep them safe as they travel home, Father God. I love you, and I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.